listening to a production of the Toll Network. This is Laser Knees number 108, Oto Smash! I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Dino Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier, episode 43, Mother of Druidons, and episode 44, Bonds Tested. Our writer for both is Yamaoka Junpei, our director for 43 is Kato Hiroyuki, and for 44 is Sakamoto Koichi. Unsurprising, given how much Oto is in the episode. Well, at least it wasn't, like, super weird about it. At least not super weirder than Oto tends to be. No, no, he is definitely restrained, but I do notice that anytime she's a large part of an episode, he's usually the one directing. Boy, I, I had not made that connection, and uh, I don't I don't like it, Sono. It is the Sakamoto curse. I mean, at least she got to do cool stuff in that episode, but... She does usually get to do some pretty cool stuff. But she got to do some very cool stuff this episode. But also, we have a guest this week. Um, and while I'm forced to accept that my guess of Master Black being a lady was wrong... Eh, it happens. You know, that was, that was me being hopeful. I kind of didn't expect to be right. Would have been nice, though. But we do have a pretty neat returning Sentai actor uh, who's come back to play him. Uh, Master Black is portrayed by Nagai Masaru, who formerly played Time Red from Time Ranger. And while I haven't Neat. yet seen Time Ranger myself, I've generally seen it regarded as very well-liked, so it, that's neat. It does have one of the weirdest and best theme songs, that's for dang sure. That's true. Um, and as a fun aside, looking, this, looking him up, Nagai Masaru's wife is Nakagoshi Noriko, who played uh, Karino Miyoko, who was the Prime Minister back in the beginning oh, of this show. Dang. That's just his wife. I mean, first off, congratulations, sir. Just <laughs> she's she's hella charismatic. Dang, she can act a lot. Also, it is nice that we're getting some sort of something that's related to the prime minister. Cause, um, boy, it's episode forty-four. We ain't seen her again, and that sucks. We sure haven't. Um, I did watch the movie, and I was hoping maybe she'd turn up in that. Um, but she didn't. Oh. It's also a weird movie. It's not bad. It's just very oddly paced. Uh, it it in spite of that. Nice. All I can say is that I accidentally saw the Lupot. I think it was a net movie or something uh, mm -hmm. that I thought was going to be like the movie. You know, the one where they're gonna fight Sh Herlock Sholmes. Oh, weird. It it wasn't that. There was an extended fart joke. It was very bad. Yeah. Um. Hey, guess what? The people writing that one also understand that Sakia sucks real bad. Well, at least there's that. But anyway, getting circling back to the PM, it's a shame that she so wasn't somehow Master Black herself. That wouldn't have made even a lick of sense, but I do not care. Yeah. Because, I mean, I figure that, if nothing else, Bomba would have been like, oh hey, what's up, Master Black? So, you know, I don't know, there could be some Scooby-Doo stuff. That yeah. would be fine. I mean, I've got my weird headcanons that still circle back to technically Master Black was a lady and his mom. But uh that's a little too fanficky for me to go into. And I am gonna no, that's even with how I am gonna get a bit fanficky this episode, but Well I'm gonna put that one aside. Hey, we have some restraint around here. Little bit. Not, maybe not a ton, but some. Little bit. Um Yeah. But hey, since we're just talking about Things that maybe people could have been more restrained on or thought a little more about. Uh, let's just talk about the, the bad stuff in these episodes. 
so that we can talk about the good stuff that comes later, because, I mean, unsurprisingly, Ryu Soldier continues to be a really solid to quite good Sentai. Oh, yes. Um, I am a little disappointed that the mother of all Druidon is just a weird CGI orb. Like, yeah, that's... yeah. With, like, a real basic... T- I know they've got this whole chessboard motif going on, but that's a real basic texture. Like, I don't know, yeah, make could, her They cool, could have embellished on it, at Make least. her, like, a cool dragon or something. Like, if you're gonna give me a mythological Echidna or Tiamat situation, like, lean into that. Agreed. Like, I- I'm hoping that the-, the orb is some kind of egg, and she's gonna hatch into some kind of big, cool dragon, because she's been sealed a long time. So, like, her power is diminished. But, like, I don't know, it's just so rare these days that we get a lady character as, like, an active, dangerous presence much less a final boss that I'd really love for her to just not be only an orb. Yeah, same. Because, look, I do like an abstract villain design because, yeah, a weird symbol or a shape or whatever, that's that's a cool thing to make, a weird thing to fight. It can be incredibly creepy because it's just this simple thing, but... Ugh, making Master Eris just this weird checkerboard orb sucks. Especially since we all know in this franchise, we have had so many great, weird, freaky, monstrous monster ladies who are, like, even monstrous monster ladies who are mothers. Um, I'm thinking particularly of, of the Great Witch Grandine from GoGo5, which is kind of my gold standard for freaky evil space moms, because I think if she wasn't actually designed by Amamiya, she seems like she would have been, if you know what I mean. Like, less less about the chesty, but just, like, the weird details in the face. It's, she's a great design, and just, here's the other thing, just, if y'all would give uh, Master Eris a face, that would be something. At least then we could, we'd have something to be freaked out by. There'd be some nightmare fuel for the little kids at home. Yeah, basically just, what just I'm saying go is full die Satan. Yeah, yeah. Just bring back freaky monster ladies who have faces. You absolute cowards, Toei. I demand more freaky monster ladies. Yeah, just constantly. I mean, so much of I. I there, are, there are a lot of complicated things and feelings and whatnot and and reasons for it, and I don't. If you want to talk to me about, oh, they have to do it so that they don't have to recast for Power Rangers adaptations or whatever, I don't care. It's it's just the thing where, after a certain point, it just becomes the the video game thing where, like, dudes can be all of these different shapes, but a lady can only be, like, mm, three lady. Like, one of three types of lady, and that sucks. Yeah, or, and like, also... Like, I don't- I feel like that argument doesn't work anymore with, uh, now that Hasbro has Power Rangers and is willing to just dump money into it. Just weird freaky monster ladies. Like, look, I'm not- I'm- there's no disrespect in me for- for Tarnish Dayu from, uh, Shinkenger. I love her. She was not the main villain. No. And, like, I- I give Precious credit. Precious is there. Precious yes, does exist. Yes. I still lean feminine on Koreon. Um, I know that's kind of 
yeah, kind of, you know, pick your own adventure there, but I'm, I still lean it's that way personally. For it. So then, like, if you then give Eris, like, a face, and you know how I feel about how much I want face-acted villains, lady villains in Sentai again, um... Honestly, I'm like, I'm just like, give her a, a molded plastic face that is, that is like a face and not like half covered or lacking face bits. Cause like, look, um, oh goodness. What was the, the, the doctor gun lady from Lupot? Oh God. The weird, yeah. Weird gunfish lady in, in like the evening gown. And she the had problem own, is like, that they, thing. there are like her the one from Gokaiger and the one from Zuoger are all so much the same lady that I mix up their names yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. But it's just they're they're in the the right hand the you know, they're the they're the gal Friday, but also like they are in some way they they don't get a full face. They get just enough signifiers to be feminine. They get like, lady lips. Usually it's the lips. And that's it. But, like, they don't have eyes or faces or facial features except for exaggerated lips or being in some way monstrously inhuman to the point where they don't seem like women. And all the dude monsters just get to be dudes who are monsters. Just, like, let, let's just have some a big bad evil lady who is also a monster Again, like Great Witch Grandine, because you know that's a lady, and also you know that she is a nightmare. She's just this weird... Y'all, yeah. uh, if you haven't seen GoGo5, that one is out legit now. Uh, yeah, get on it. It's, it's a real... I don't know if it's a real good Sentai, it is at least a good Sentai. Yeah, I... Especially for the era. I just, I just personally want more face acted lady villains again oh yeah i mean i'm not i'm not shooting that one down no i mean like honestly i want eris to have any body she can get that isn't an orb but man i just miss face acted lady villains and i don't want to blame it on dayu uh she she was the one to break the trend but i mean like we we got escape three years later and she is extremely good. Man, they mishandled her, and we have not had another one since then. But we are getting a lot of, like, face-acted dude villains mm. in the past couple years. We didn't... I don't think we got one this year. I don't... Well, I guess it depends on how you're counting Geisolg and now uh, Master Black. But, I mean, more I, in the I line of, like, uh, Zamigo or... Emperor Zed from Tokyuger. Yeah, or even Akira from Tokyuger. Um, oh. Well, he was a hero, but, you know, he kind of went back and forth. But, you know, Zed... He's so um, There was one in... I feel like there was... We had Scorpio in Q-Ranger. And we had Anton in Q-Ranger. Just, I don't know, just oh, bring right. back some oh, ladies. Yeah. Just let some ladies go around and, like, cackle. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I mean, it can't be that they, that there are no ladies who can do that, can do that stuff, because they find ladies to do the voices, and if they can do the voices, sorry, like, you can have, you can find someone to do the 
the physical acting, the face acting. I mean, like, look, they got Mao. They got her, like, Mao, we know Mao can face act. Yeah. I know she mostly voice acts now, but, you know, her career launched off of Gokaiger. And she, like, she can still do Gokaiger stuff. We saw, because there was that crossover special. So, yeah, let, honestly, she would be really great as a villain. Yeah. I, I know that you, you know, that's not even taking in the thing where I'm sort of anticipating you thinking, because she kind of was one in Gokaiger, but. And I mean, even they, they got Romy Park to voice Precious. I've seen Romy Park in person. She is charismatic as heck. She could play a, a Sentai villain. Uh, I mean, like. like going and looking her up real quick right now yes she could just give her cool headdress i mean there there are just some of her uh what's it the what do you call it the 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 is it glamour shots like the the face ones uh yeah just some of her like official headshots i think is the thing where it's just she looks like a sentai villain well no she she looks like a villain and it would be easy to make that villain a sentai villain Oh I, yeah! Oh the god! The one I just yeah. sent you. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put a link to it in the in the as mentioned because, like, yeah, just just like like you could even leave her in. You could even just leave her in that dress. Put a little armor over it. Give her like and, a and, weird hat. Yep, because I mean, you know, Sentai villains got to have a weird hat, and like, yeah, that's it. Maybe maybe some freaky makeup somewhere, but yeah, or even honestly, just give her like. Some eyeshadow and, like, a colored eyeliner. And, I don't know, like, a mark on her face. Yeah, she'd be just great at it. But, suppose that's neither here nor there. Anyway, just, um, more more lady monsters with, with recognizably human faces. Yeah, like, just, just please let Eris hatch into something. Also, since when is Oto such a coward? Like, she spent this entire show defying everyone's rules for her and wanting to just hang out on the surface despite the chaos, and I'm pretty sure she's been kidnapped before. I seem to recall at least once, yeah. And, like, all these attacks, and she's just, like, she stole the, the Ryusoul caliber. And, you know, she just wants to hang out and keep her brother out of trouble, and it's literally never bothered her before now. But all of a sudden, like, we're in the endgame, and she's like, well, Dad said we left the surface to avoid fighting, so maybe we should just go back to the ocean and hide. Like, as if that wouldn't result in the entire sea tribe being killed once Precious and the gang uh, got through wrecking the surface, because Kanalo sure can't take them by himself. Mm. Like, and not to mention, Mosa Rex bailing on the surface had nothing to do with fighting the Duridon. He was fleeing from a Ryusoul tribe civil war. I mean, I do like that when she brings this up, Ko forcibly reinterprets her statement as, let's all take a cool vacation once we win. Yeah. That was, that was very cute. But then Oto ruins it by, like, throwing herself on Melt and does the whole, like, oh, but don't you care about me? At which point I had to take a deep breath and, like, walk out of the room for a few seconds because... I mean, yeah. Like, okay, he obviously cares about her as a person who's alive and shouldn't be murdered by monsters, but also she's 12, and he looks so uncomfortable. 
yeah, like, it, it just, it sucks. And, and honestly, I could even kind of go with her sort of backing down on her bravery thing, now that stuff's kind of getting more serious, and there's a bunch of monsters who are really starting to mop the floor with our heroes. But wow, the, the don't you care about me thing is just... Like, okay, I'm not saying it's necessarily badly done on its own, or even as a character beat, because, like, okay, I know that in lore she's 120, but she's basically 12, and her being worried and turning that outward and messing with other people, that is that is the kind of thing a kid would do, at least on TV. I don't really know how real kids are, I just, I don't, but... It's, it's a good way to show that she's afraid and immature and kind of having this small picture view, even as she understands the big picture scenario. And even saying all that, it is just so uncomfortable. I hate it a lot. Yeah, it's, it's just this thing where these episodes lean into it so hard. Like, mm-hmm. 44, when it's revealed that Sodden has... Oto, like, we linger on Melt for a second before Kanalo rushes in, and then, like, once she's safe, she runs directly into the fight. Like, the fight is still going on. He's still transformed to hug him. And, you know, we've got Kanalo's whole, like, oh, well, it was a good plan, so I'll acknowledge you as my brother. And, you know, in Asuna's words, this is not the time. And the time is never because she's twelve. Yeah, she's 12, and at the rate you guys age, yeah, guess what? No, there's no time for this. And even as I can see that, like, you could take the the I acknowledge you as my brother and twist it to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, we are brothers. I, I see you as my friend because you just saved my sister. We are, we are blood brothers now, but boy, it was very clearly meant as. Oh, yeah, it's. You're allowed to marry my sister. Yeah, and uh, I just really, really wanted a bit where Melt would, like, grab him by the lapels and ask him just what the hell they're doing down there in the Sea Tribe, where they're willing to play into the romantic fancies and fantasies of literal, actual children. Because, like, look, I respect that Melt is not going off on her, because he doesn't want to hurt her feelings because she's the equivalent of Twelve, and I respect that. That's a reasonable thing for him to do and a reasonable way for him to react. But also, like, what are they doing down there that people are encouraging her in this? Yes. I would... Someone should say, look, sorry, Melt. She's just... She gets like this. She'll she'll grow out of it because she's 12 and that's what 12-year-olds do when they have crushes on older people. Or at least you really hope they would. Yes, like... It's fine that she has a crush on him. It happens. It's, you know, that's like, how it's a, kids kind of learn about their emotions. It's, yeah, it's not a weird abnormal. It's put in like this, but okay, it, it happens, and it, it could be a weird, like, haha kind of comedy thing or a way for us to establish that, hey, Melt is, is someone people trust or something like that, but they never use it for anything except, like, this 12 year old really wants to do a kissing on this actual adult man, and he is very uncomfortable with it, as he should be. Yeah, it's it's just very strange, and I wish they would stop leaning into it so hard. Yeah, because again, like, 
it, more than anything, it just got me wondering what the hell they're like at the Sea Tribe, because someone should have been like, especially if we're going with the, the, oh, but she's actually 120, so it's fine, then at some point someone should have been like, hey, you're 120 years old, act like it. Yeah. This is unacceptable, especially if you're going up to the surface, where, frankly, uh, they don't age like we do. Maybe you should think about the fact that everyone's going to be uncomfortable, and they're going to assume some incredibly heinous things about this dude because you're hugging on him like that. It's, I'm not saying he doesn't have a responsibility. I, I understand that he probably should have been like, hey, kid, you're neat. I like you. You're not a bad person. This has nothing to do with you. Also, you're 12. No, this is not happening. It's, I feel like there's degrees where he's, like, tried. Yeah, but... But also, he's so him. awkward that he doesn't know how to get out of this situation, and everyone else is just letting it happen. Because even if even if he doesn't do it, some, like, Asuna should be pulling that kid up short, and like, hey, look, I thought it was funny at first, I think I'm getting the impression that maybe you're serious about this. I don't know how to tell you that you're 12. Age is just a number. No, it's not. <laughs> not even Asuna. This is not Asuna's responsibility. Kanalo. Kanalo no, yeah, should true. go to his sister and be like, honey, you're 12. Yeah, you're acting incredibly inappropriately. But instead, his response is always to be weirdly jealous, and I just... I don't understand. Yeah, I, like, I'm not trying to be super gross. It just, it implies a lot of really horrific things about what's going on at the Sea Kingdom, and I ain't here for it. I just, I want someone to let me know that that's just not how this is. Yeah. Because, because, like, if that's the case, I don't blame Mew for just, like, going to the surface, like, no, hey. I'd get out of there, too. I'm gonna take a whole bunch of crap jobs where, like, no one respects me, because that's better than being in that place. Like, I shouldn't be laughing, but, like, it's a fictional thing written by people, and I just, I want to know, again, like, even even with the understanding that this is coming from a different culture, and maybe there are nuances to these behaviors that I do not understand, or cultural context which makes this sort of thing less completely, like, creepy and uncomfortable, but I really don't get the impression that that's the case. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it could be, because, like, the only way I could believe that entirely would be like, oh yeah, Japanese people are literal space aliens, and I don't think that is the case. No, it's definitely and, and, not. And when I say I don't think that is the case, I mean that not in the sense of, hmm, it is up for discussion, I'm saying... That is not a thing I believe. It's weird. We're, this is all hyperbole, folks. Yeah, it's a little hyperbole, but also, mm, real gross. What the hell, guys? Just someone, someone pull Conalo short and just, what the hell is wrong with you? Cultural sensitivity, whatever. What the hell, dude? Because, like, look, I, I definitely believe in, like, cultural differences and some things you can get around. That's not one of them for me. Like... If that happened to me, and one of my friends, like, if one of my friends had a kid, and they were, like, hugging on me like that, I would expect to be like, hey, uh, bro, that was mad uncomfortable for me. I don't want to do that again. Could you, like, talk to the kid? And it's like, 
uh, yeah, I just didn't want to do that in front of you because that would be even worse for her. So, sorry. And, like, it would just never happen again and no one would speak of it ever again. Because that's what you do. Anyway, let's move on because this this topic is so f- deeply ugly and frustrating. It It is truly, like, my one big complaint about this show is that this is, like, an ongoing thing that we have had to deal with since these two arrived. Yeah, and, like, if that was something where someone would say, yeah, I don't like Resoldier, I don't want to watch it, it seems like they're okay with this sort of thing, I'd have to be like, mm, fair. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna fight you on that, because, uh... E- even as I can, like, sort of get in the headspace of maybe they're trying it for this and this and this... And and maybe this is based on, you know, cultural stuff I don't know about, or don't have firsthand information of. But mm, it's just it's real bad, and I wish they would stop. Yeah, but uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I'm I'm both confused and a little disappointed by the Sada and his Master Black reveal. Yeah, because I mean, like, look, they. In fairness, they did telegraph it fairly well and whatnot in 43 and and throughout. It's just, it's not even that it doesn't work. Because, I mean, it works. It works fine. It's just, I don't care. And his motives don't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's not that it bothers me on a greater narrative level that Sodden is Master Black. That's not where my problem is. That I'm I'm fine with, because we've kind of been building to this from very early on. I mean, we know that Green was, uh, was Geysorg, so it's, that's a nice precedent set, but... Yeah, and I mean, like, we've, like, very early on we had Bamba kind of drop this hint that he knew his master was alive. And had betrayed them. So, like, there's... It, it's not that that bothers me. It's more the information we got with it or because of it, it's at the end of the flashback in 43. We see Master Black as he departs into the ether. His last words to Bamba are, I need to protect Master Eris. He seemed too lucid for brainwashing with the conversation before that. So I was wondering if there was a reason that Eris needed to not be destroyed, needed to be protected. And I, like... If Eris was maybe, like, the heart of the Earth and produced Druidons as guardians or, to be thematically appropriate, knights to defend the planet, which would fit with the fact that their name is derived from Druid, and that she had somehow been corrupted and was thus producing evil soldiers at the time that, you know, they had to drive the Druidons out. That could be a good way to... Like, oh, hey, remember that, how we mentioned the third Ryusoul tribe who just wanted to keep fighting? Like, oh, hey, this is that. Yeah. Like, that could be a thing to do. But sorry, like, go on. I just, like, I just thought of that. Like, that was kind of where my head was when we brought that up in 43. But then in 44, as, you know, we get the reveal and Toa asks the smart question, as he often does... Of, hey dude, why this? And his Which, answer you know, is... Fair question. Yeah, it's, his answer is just, oh, I disguised myself as Sada to beat Precious. Which, 
has nothing to do with the question. It doesn't answer his whole... It doesn't answer the question the flashback brings up of why did you suddenly try and murder your whole village and say that you need to protect Eris? And, like, before we can get to those answers, they bring up Seto and he drops everything to be like, you guys know him? He's around? We gotta go see him. And it'll probably all get worked out in episode 44 and who knows... But it all just felt a little bit mystery box. Yeah. Um, which was weird and I didn't like in a show that's been very good about not falling back on shoving the mystery in our face and then leaving us hanging. Yeah, and we're just hanging for an answer that, I mean, for me at least, it doesn't feel like it matters a whole lot. I get that it's a Bamba thing and look... I want more Bomba focus, you know this, but it just, it was so unsatisfying. I just, I keep hope, I kept hoping, like, they, he would have explained right then and there, why did I do it, that, like, he flipped out back in the day because he wanted to destroy all of the Ryu souls, so he would destroy or starve the Ryu soul caliber while still leaving Era sealed, because that would mean that Eris is the one starving because it has nothing to draw on and then it's just being awakened and then he's being awakened from suspended animation or something because he he noticed the Russell caliber being drawn and Bilotti Blue. But then we just, that was our guess over here, but I just, I thought that would have been fun, but it doesn't feel like it's going anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and also, I don't know. Oh, yeah, me either. It's just the, that the answer will or won't come in, like, four episodes. So why are we making a mystery box of it anyway? Because I still don't care about him compared, again, to the Prime Minister, who we have been mad that we haven't seen her since that one time. Because she actually felt like she added something to the world. Master Black slash Sodden, he doesn't add anything. I don't care. The most he can do is give, like, okay, well, here's the battle plan for how we're going to defeat the, the checkerboard ball. And, like, not for nothing, our heroes could have done that stuff on their own. Whatever the plan is, whatever he gives them, they could have got there on their own. It's just because they're the Sentai in the show with their name on it. Yeah, it just... It felt very weird and not... Not, like, the kind of big reveal that this show has had. Like, the Nada reveal was amazing. And this just yeah, feels like a really watered-down version of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, because there's no... Like, here's the thing about Nada, you can't do it twice. Like, it's just not... You can't replicate that reveal. It was too good. And it's not even like we're really getting new character development out of it, because both of them fall back on Bamba. And, which would be fine if this reveal felt like it was bigger, but it kind of just feels like he's dealing with the same emotional trauma a second time. And it's not even in an interesting direction. It's just, hey, this guy, everyone, I, I need you to understand that he sucks real bad. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. Ah, oh, but don't worry. I don't suck as much as you think I do. I was doing it for a reason. Yeah, that's still a lot of dead people, dude. <laughs> like, cool motive, still murder. 
speaking speaking of Bamba, am I the only uh, one a little let's, bothered? Let's always speak about Bamba. Always. Am I the only one a little bothered that when he used the audio soul, like the second he uses it and starts listening, Oto runs up and starts having a conversation with everyone? Like the dude is trying to track by sound literally like two feet away from you. Maybe y'all should shut your mouths for like a second. Yeah. Cause like look, I even as I understand that the super hearing could probably cut through the noise and hone in and it's looking for certain sorts of things or whatever boy it should probably be easier if he didn't have to do that he's trying to keep everyone from being murdered to death shut up for a minute like it just felt like such an inopportune time to have that conversation it, it really was also i'm a tiny bit confused by precious being the one who sealed piton wasn't it implied that it was geysorg that was kind of my thought but like, when when Piton was flying around in space, Geysorg descended back to Earth and, like, hit him, and it sealed him? I mean, it, it adds some nice tension in the moment for the team to not have access to their, like, two best robots. So I'm not, like, super bothered by it, but it just it feels like it's contradicting the information we have and that they're not gonna clarify. I also just wish they had built it up more. Like, yeah. Precious has- Precious and Piton have both been around for a while now. But we only really have about an episode and a half of Piton being like, Precious is the one that sealed me and I don't want to get sealed again, before Tiramigo, like, snaps him out of it. And I kind of wish we'd gone, like, five or six episodes where they could only sometimes use the Piton forms- and maybe only for part of the fight because Precious would realize who that was and then show up specifically to scare him off. Like even with how be much amazing. Yeah, it would be great and totally a thing Precious would do. Oh yeah. And even with how or even like have Precious have like stolen part of him. Like Precious steals hearts. Good. I don't know if they have like physical hearts, but like, do more with that. That's so weird and, like, gross and creepy. And even with how much I like Tiramigo pulling the whole, like, if you run now, you'll never stop regretting it thing, because that's that's a hero trope that I love. Oh, yeah. It just all felt a little rushed, where just even an episode of Piton wanting, like, wanting to fight because Precious isn't there... And being like, okay, she's not here. I can do the robot fight. And Tiramigo's just like, no, we can't count on you. After Piton's like broken out of robot fights mid mid fight a couple times. And being like, no, we're going to do this without you. Like, that would have been great. Yeah, because like you said, it's it, it would have made it hit. But it just feels like a bit they meant to put in. And then just tried to rush in all at once. Because, I mean, look... It's a good moment. It's a really solid bit. I I am also a massive fan of better to fight and die than live with the knowledge that I ran. Like, ooh, that's powerful. That's good. But you'd need, like you said, you'd need like at least five or six episodes. I get that there's a lot going on in this show and they don't really have time. So don't, don't put it, it in. Yeah. Save it for your next show. Yeah. Which, like, look. That'd be great. 
honestly, like a, a you know a month and a half of just watching a character come to terms with the fact that they are petrified by someone, and then getting that great lesson of hey, when you're scared, just just start screaming. That was amazing. Mark DeCoscos got got a shout out, literally a shout out twice. That was. That was a beautiful moment, and it would have felt so good if there would have been, like you said, that that five or six, even just four episodes of, nope, no, I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't make myself go out there and fight her. But, alas. But, hey, let's let's turn away from the things that are sort of bummers and, and talk about the good stuff, because, unsurprisingly, these episodes of You Soldiers, despite our problems still quite good oh yeah it's it's still mostly good stuff um crayon finding weisel's heart as the opening of 43 was quite possibly the sweetest of all things yeah and also does his heart being intact mean he's still alive because i mean crayon's asking where he went and then in 44 talks about going and finding him but i'm not sure if that's like childish grief and not understanding the concept of death because Koreon is incapable of dying or if, you know, we're supposed to believe that he's still out there because she has seen other Druidon die, she's seen Minosaurs die. Quite a few of them, in fact. Like, it, it does definitely make me hope that he is and that they can just split off and, like, start a YouTube channel and get to be cool and chill and just over-the-top dudes on the internet. Same, because, I mean, again, we did not see him blow up. Dude dissipated into fireflies, which is not how a monster, let alone a general, goes out in a Sentai show. Even even though, like, it was his beautiful ending, but I just, I really hope when he does show back up, he does some finger guns at Crayon, and there's a comment that, like, look, the clue is that I died on stage. No one died on stage. And by the way, that's what makes him the greatest showman in the world! Because that's just, like, that would be great, and it would let him be all showy and smug, and it also, like, that's Crayon crying, and probably the rest of the audience, too. Yes. Because... Hey, we're all so happy. I just, I just, I want that because I didn't expect to like Weisel. Because I didn't either. Boy, we, had... we could not stand him when he first showed up. He he pulled a little bit of a wagon. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I, again, I I always refer back to it. I I feel like a lot of it was just the ah, oh, so bright. Really, let me raise my visor. Oh wow, it really is like once. He was... It kind of felt like he was his own straight man in the beginning. And yeah. then once we got Gachireus to, like, be the straight man and he was allowed to just go wild, that's really when he took off. Yeah, he needed he needed someone to bounce off of. Because, like, Crayon's great, but he can't bounce off Crayon because Crayon doesn't have power over him. Um, I also just want to take a second to appreciate the little scene of Bamba getting to do some swordplay by himself in the woods, because it was just, it was very cool to watch. Um, to the point where, for a second, I thought it was a Sakamoto episode, Same. because at that level of out-of-suit stunt work is usually kind of his signature. And I mean, you know, it was very light as far as stunt work goes, 
but it we really got to take a second to appreciate, you know, his little sword flips and kind of the nuances of his fighting style, and it was really nice. It really was, and, and hats off to Kato Hiroyuki for just making a scene that could easily read as just, hey, just do some sword stuff, fill for time, and just making it sing. And especially when we cut from there to his memory of learning to sword fight as a child, and you see him doing the same moves, but they're much wider and looser, and, like, he really isn't sure of them yet, that we can see, like, how tight his sword work has become and how much he has learned. It was a really good use of visual storytelling. Yeah, it really was, and it was just so elegant. And also, for me, drove home that Bamba... Yeah, he's definitely the oldest guy in this group, and just, it it gave you so much context for everything, which, again, just hats off to Katsuhiro Yuki. Very good director. I'm so happy at how many really good directors we've got this season. My yeah. gosh. They're really all incredible. I also like that Bamba trusts Melt enough to use something like the Answer Soul on him. And, you know, while it's not one that's particularly dangerous, it is one where I feel like a lot of consent and trust needs to be involved, because it really is something that could be very badly abused. And, you know, the fact that I'm sure he's that's something he's aware of, because he's not stupid, and the fact that he's letting it be used on him at all shows the amount of trust he's gained in the team, and he knows that Melt is level-headed and task-oriented enough to stick to the problem at hand. And he knows, like, I feel like Melt is maybe the only one he'd trust to use one of the Ryu souls on him, regardless of what it is, because he's the least likely to somehow screw it up. Like, I, I definitely feel like Melt is the one he trusts the most. Melt is the only guy who's anywhere in the ballpark of being as kind of stiff and square as Bamba. And, like, I know Ko or Asuna wouldn't actually kind of ruin the drama of the moment by asking, I don't know, his favorite snacks or, like, embarrassing childhood stories in the middle of all of this, but it's also fair for him to assume that, like, they might. Yeah. It is Ko and Asuna. Yeah, because, like you said, even if he isn't sure they would... That translates to being equally unsure that they wouldn't. And that's what Melt's for. Because, honestly, even Toa couldn't be entirely trusted not to mess with him. Because, again, it's it's that old slapstick thing. Bamba is so stoic and so controlled and so stiff that him being made to break that, even for a silly nonsense answer, would be just tremendously hilarious, but also not at all helpful in the in the show yeah like in, in the moment it's just not super useful yeah especially since pokemon master bomba did once uh exposit to us in the clip show that was the best clip show uh that you can't be too wasteful with the ryu souls because they do burn out eventually and you gotta imagine that the answer soul is one of those ones that just doesn't last long at all because it's you know, channeling all the knowledge of the universe into your head and helping you sift around for the bit you need. And that's um, 
that's a lot to ask for a little plastic goo guy, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, also, he doesn't even have uh, a cool, like, ghost of a dead child to sift around the library for him. I know. Also, I love Teenage Bomba's outfit. That's, yeah. like, very nearly the same as his present-day outfit, but none of it is leather. So it gives him the same blocking, but since none of it is a hard black, it gives him a much, and it's also not that texture, it gives him this much softer look that does actually make him feel like if he was normally, like, 28 to 30, he was maybe, like, 24 yeah. in that flashback. And, and, like, with especially with, like, the, the different haircut, it just, it really gave him a youthful energy. Yeah, and, but what I found really interesting is that even though Master Black, you know, betrays him in a way that's so traumatic that it's closed him off entirely to even his own brother, pretty much up until they get Nada out of Geysorg, like, Bamba still kind of takes on Master Black's signature leather ensemble just in his own blocking. He is really not good at letting go of things. It's a trait we've seen in him since the beginning that goes as deep as his entire visual character design. Which, I mean, like, look, they do go so hard on design in this show, and it is to be commended. I realize there probably aren't award-granting organizations about exactly that, but there should be if there aren't. Yeah, it's just, it's it was very, very good when I kind of connected those dots. Where he's really, everyone else is wearing cloth clothes on the team. He is the only one who wears leather. Mm. And Master Black is also the only one on the team who wore leather. I also just kind of found a throwaway line of dialogue in their conversation uh, to be very interesting because like they're, they're having this conversation about Toa, which is interesting in and of itself. And we'll get to that in a second, but he says that he's going to leave Riesel green for Toa and Bamba seems surprised and steps up was like, wait, not Nada. As if, the plan had originally been to give it to Nada. But from what we'd seen, it seemed like Nada took off as soon as he wasn't becoming Ryu Soul Red. Like, as soon as he knew that, he was out. So I'm wondering if maybe Master Red had made it kind of clear to the other masters before he told Nada that Nada d seemed like he wasn't gonna work out. And since Nada and Bamba were obviously very close... Maybe originally Master Black and Bamba had decided, hey, what if we take him in, we give him Ryusoul Green, and, you know, we're partners. But never got the chance to offer that because Nada took off as soon as he didn't get the thing he wanted. And there's there's my fanfic for the episode. I mean, it it fits pretty well. And look... I know we said this when we got some of Nada's backstory, and, and clearly there is desire there, because, yeah, we just did like a short little fanfic thing on it, but I, I just want to re-up my desire to see a young Ryu Soldier's teen soap opera. Because, like, look, we don't need it because we are seeing how it all plays out at the end, but at the same time, wow, the dramatic possibilities are tremendous. Yeah, no, I still want it. 
yeah, like I want to see, I want to see the fall of Nada. Like, just give me a a short like web series that's nothing but the fall of Nada. It'd be like uh, the the Star Wars prequels. No, nope, I'm not gonna insult the Star Wars prequels. I know a lot of people like them, and that's fine. But just, I would, I would love that. Especially since, like, we get to see Master Green, because, you know, Master Green's in space, being Geysorg. Also, we'd explain how they got into space, even okay, as I'm so, just kind of, at, no, no, I appreciate that they don't explain. No, the thing is, they kind of do in the movie. Oh, okay, cool. But not in a way that really makes sense. Good. Because... I, look, I don't want it to make sense, so no. I, I really literally, just like... There is and then literally one line. There is literally one line. It is the first line in the movie. Awesome. Cool. Alright. It's Tank Joe and Gachi Reyes, who are giant at the moment, I guess. And one, I don't even remember which one, but one of them says to the other, We've destroyed all of the Ryu Soul Tribe spaceships. And we never go back to that. Wow, okay. And this is this is set way before anything that would happen in, in even within the context of stuff we know in the show. So it's way before because it's it's pre Geysorg. It's it's it is addressing how we got Geysorg. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, that that's kind of the plot of the movie. So it's before Master Green gets it. It's any of that. So I don't know how Master Green and, and Nada still got into space. Unless maybe they rebuilt some after this. Because um, in, in the flashback when Master Black betrays the village, if you notice any of the costumes that the other villagers are wearing have like these blue lights on them, that is from the movie. Okay. That's what everyone wore in the movie, I guess. The the movie is very strange, not bad, but very strange. Um, but just the first line of the movie is, we've destroyed all of the Ryu Soul Tribe spaceships, and we just never go back to that. Yeah, that's a... that really is a hell of a thing. <laughs> it's such... it is the first line in the movie, and I'm just like, excuse me, they're what? Can we talk about that? I feel like you could make a whole movie just about that line. It's just, I guess, I guess we're not talking about that, okay? The movie kind of raises a lot more questions than it answers. And it's not very that. well paced, but it's, it's cute. It's a cute movie. Um, but it's very, it's very strange. It was a very strange watching experience. It, it certainly sounds like it. Um, I don't know, maybe one day we'll talk about it. I would I would enjoy that. Because I, I have... It sounds like you got some, some thoughts. I do have some thoughts. It's very strange. Um, that lady from the, the Ryu Soul Calibur Temple obviously is there, as we guessed. It's... I really wish the movie had been maybe anywhere between 20 to 45 minutes longer than it was. Oh, okay. So that we could have had some time to care at all. Ah, little things. Kind of, it goes kind of breakneck, and I feel like it just wanted to be longer than it is. But we're kind of in, it It was the mid-show theatrical release movie, so it is only like 35 minutes long. Because it double bills with the Ryder movie. Ah, yeah. 
where the DVD movies, they get to be like an hour and a half. But uh, it's it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. It doesn't answer really anything, but it's still pretty enjoyable to watch. Everyone's around and doing their thing. Well, as long as everyone's having a good time. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's it's a fun little movie that basically just answers where Geyser came from. And very little else. But raises many, many questions. Well, hooray. Okay, circling back to these episodes. At least that deviation was mostly on topic. We're still talking yeah. about Ryu Soldier. Better than we usually do. Like I said, uh, Master Black comments... They, Master Black and, and Bamba have this conversation about Toa where he comments on Toa having a light that neither he nor Bamba have, which felt very interesting given the time of when we're being handed this information. Yes. Um, I'm assuming this light is going to be the key to beating Eris, especially since during his betrayal, Master Black specifically asked where Toa was. I would assume, to kill him so he could get rid of that light. He kind of gives up on that very easily, so I don't know, maybe not. But it just—it was very interesting to me that this was brought up because it's clearly important. It is a very Chekhov's gun kind of line. But it was interesting because, one, Toa is not the Red. He is he is not the red in this series, and usually getting to be the Deus Ex Mahina, you have to be the red for that. But also, given the way that Toa has been in this show, how he kind of persisted in confronting and trying to save Nada in spite of the odds, and that being essentially what defeated Geisolg is just that Toa wanted to save him that much and how he kind of does the same with master black and you know he's he stops everyone from fighting him he asks the smart questions he reaches out and i'm kind of wondering if the light that master black mentioned might be a kisaragi gentaro style of power of love and friendship and dang, if I wouldn't love to see the youngest member of this team stare down Tiamat and insist that they could all just, you know, be chill and live on the planet together. Yeah, that would be just... And, and honestly, I'm just on the same wavelength. Especially the bit about not giving this to the Red, because that's, um, yeah, like you said. But also, it just... It sort of makes a kind of sense to me, since we had this bit earlier about how Ko had to learn how to be kind, which implies that when we met Toa as a youth, I mean, he's still a youth, but you know what I mean, uh, he had to learn how to be cold, like he was at the start of the show, but he's finding his way past it because, honestly, everyone's arc should end, not end, but lead to being cool. And I just, I like the idea that uh, he started cool, he got a little, like, grim and edgy, and then he got cool again. And that's just, uh, I like that for Toa. Toa's a good kid. It's just super interesting because this is one of the few times where if they had given it to the Red, it would have felt earned. Mm, absolutely. Because Ko's had such a great arc where that's been so much of his arc is learning the power of love and friendship. 
that it would have felt earned to give it to to give that power to him but they chose to give it to someone else yeah and that's a thing all sentai could stand to do frankly especially if you're not going to share them power-ups bruv yeah and I'm, I am still disappointed that we are not tossing uh, Ryu Soul Calibur around as much as I right. had hoped. You know, I don't know, we've still got a couple episodes left, maybe we'll see something. But uh, the, the high point of these episodes for me is the moment when Toa says that he's not following Bamba, they're just headed the same way and then walks past him, and we linger on this shot of Bamba's reaction with, and there's no dialogue from this point, but it's just this shot of him seeing his brother for the first time in their lives as an adult and an autonomous person who can do things on their own and take care of themselves. And it's the first moment for him where Toa is no longer relying on him for guidance and he, he has to process that and then accepts it and both literally and emotionally moves forward to stand beside Toa no longer as functionally his master and just finally getting to be Toa's brother, both in blood and in arms. And it's this absolutely gorgeous moment that conveys so much entirely through like literally two expressions that Bamba has and it's easily one of the strongest moments in these episodes, if not the show as a whole. I mean, again, I just have to plus one you on that, because I, I know I praised Kazuhiro Yuki earlier for some of the stuff in this episode, but hey, let's do so again, because between the performances and the way the shots went, and also whoever's on editing duty, I don't actually know, it was just such a masterclass in both visual and serialized storytelling. And and to move on from there for just a sec, um, into a less weighty but no less impressive moment, um, the the big Henshin sequence in, 33, in 43 was off the chain. What are they going to do in the last episode because that was the one you would want for the last episode? Yeah, God, just... All of them walking in through the fire. Uh-huh. That's a Bokendra Henshin. That's yeah, the final Bokendra Henshin. Yeah, uh, and, and that's in 43. Not even 44. Like, where do you go from there? Because, like, in 44, like, there's a good one. Like, Sakamoto was doing a decent Henshin, but, uh, the Hiroyuki one was off the chain. <laughs> Yeah, like, the, the one in 44 where they're, they're henching mid-fight was very yeah. cool. It was it was really good, but man, but the just, one it, in 43 where they're, they just walk in through the flame. I love that Bamba doesn't even pose. Yeah. No, He's just he like, just, no, I'm here and I'm mad. Yeah, the night of, the night of glory. Riso Black, and he's just coming through there, and I'm like, yeah, son. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Wreck them. Because, uh, yeah, it was real good. Oh, like, the whole I thing love... was good. It even it even was a moment where I was like, hey, even Connolo is cool. Good on you, dude. And uh, that's not a so thing I felt the urge to say a lot in this show. 
I, I know we always look forward to these endgame henshins, but man, that one was so good. This show earned that. Also, there's there's a very neat bit of foreshadowing um, in that the sword that we see young Bamba use in the flashback at the beginning of the episode is very, very similar, if not the same, to the sword that Sadan is using in the present. Oh, uh, see, we were, once we had brought up the, the, the possibility of Master Black being Sadan, just in, in our place, we spent like five minutes watching it and trying to see Master Black Sword and compare it to uh, Sadan's. Ooh, we could have. See, been- I did that also, but we're, we were looking at the wrong sword. Oh, that's actually really good, though. Oh, I hate that. I love it. It's so good. Because Master Black's has, like, the, the silver hilt that comes out and curves up. Mm. Where the sword that Bamba has in the beginning flashback just has that gold round guard. And the black oh, handle. So good. He he left with his disciple's sword. I I kind of love that. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so mad. And is I we we were looking at the same wrong sword, um, because the fact that Precious pulls out a human heart that is clearly Sodden's at the end mm-hmm. was kind of the tip off that something was going on, and that's when we were looking back at the swords. But I was just unsure enough that I was still surprised, not not su- not necessarily surprised, but I'm like, ah, oh, you you got me. You, you managed to, to make me question it. But it was still cool to, like, have that called it moment where it wasn't 100% clear if that's what was going on. But it was, like, just clear enough that you get kind of the the endorphin rush and the catharsis of having been right. Yes. But also, like you said, they've been, they've been doing some just the right kind of signposting so that, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I think that must be the case, but what if, and making, like, making it so it's hard to be certain about what's coming, that's, that's such a great thing. Like, you're unsure enough to be surprised, but you have an idea it's coming, and I know a lot of people put a lot of value on just, like, oh, OMG, shock horror, I didn't see that coming in a million years, but, meh, that sort of thing is not as good as... Wait, I think it must be this. Am I right? I don't know. Like that was that was a fun thing to have to wait a week on. Yes. As opposed to like what 44 is making me wait a week on. Right? Like I appreciate when they find the good ways to do a cliffhanger, but I guess they can't all be winners. Yeah. Both of these episodes open very similarly. Um, I was absolutely heartbroken at the opening where Koreans like dejectedly walking down the street with some druid drones being like, I just wanted someone to respect me. And kind of realizing that Weisel was the one who came closest to respecting her. And I'm just going to double down on my position that I hope he's still out there and they can, you know, start a YouTube channel together. Oh yeah, let me just plus one you again, because uh, this, sh- this show needs a YouTube star. And if Ui's in America, which I'm going to call a big if because a part of me is still aggressively opting not to trust it because, one, I hope Ui has a bigger role in the end of the show somehow, but also that 
I just think that would be a great cover for Weisel. But whatever, Crayon's the only person around who can fill those shoes, which should actually what? be pretty easy. Since what's up? What if hmm. Bowie's film opportunity in America is with Weisel? <gasps> Love it. And yes. Weisel, Weisel's like, you know about this. I need you to teach me to not try and murder everyone, and also explain to me how this works. Um, I will give you a free trip somewhere. Here is a bunch of money. I yes, I'm here for that. I just, we, I just we just need to go far away from all of this because Precious is gonna kill me. Yeah, Precious really likes killing. Period. Like that's the end of the sentence. It doesn't matter who. Yeah, Precious just likes to kill. And look, that's a good thing to have in your in your evil general. I have to say, just you know, make it so they can't kill you. That's always the tough part, isn't it? Live yeah. by the sword, die by the sword. But uh, as bugged as I am about how hard these episodes lean into the whole thing with Melton Oto, I do really adore the whole sequence that kind of leads up to it of Melt like telling Ko to give up the Reusol caliber. So Ko can fake the handoff to give Melt time to transform and attack. Just the fact that they did this all wordlessly, and that Ko puts an emphasis on the fact that they were able to convey this whole plan to each other with just a look, is a really nice show of how long these two have trained together and how well they know each other. And that Ko knows Melt would never just give up their strongest card. Like, Melt is a little skittish. But he's not a coward. And he's the guy who makes the plans. If Melt is saying this, Ko knows that he has a trick up his sleeve. And it's also just a really nice show of how much Melt has grown, because he was always the strategy guy. He was always the one watching their training, coming up with plans. But now he's also the tactics guy. He's learned to think on his feet and adjust the plan mid-battle, depending on unseen factors, and can convey that to his team without giving away his hand. I am very proud of him. Yeah, agreed. He's he's really growing up. And also, like, we may not know what, if anything, is up with his hair, but we do know that his heart is steady, and his skills are honed to a razor's edge. Also, like, that look... That was so good, and you knew something was up, and it ruled. It just, it really did. Also, I think that scene is why they got Sakamoto for this episode. Because, you know, it involved, like, cool sword play and a lot of good face actor action. Which, if not for um, the horny TM, uh, that would be Sakamoto's whole, like, deal and thing he is known for. Yeah, and I think that scene and this next one are why they got him for this episode. Oh, right, yeah. Because they follow this with this whole, like, part of it's in suit, but most of it is out of suit fight that's just Ko and Asuna by themselves back to back. Yeah, that ruled, dude. Oh my gosh. Just the amazing face-acted moment they have mid-battle where they just exchange trust to get each other out of the fight alive. Like, these two have 
fought alongside one another since childhood. The only one who knows the two of them as well as they know each other is Melt. And I kind of wish we'd gotten the whole trifecta of having, like, a Melt. We kind of got Melt and Asuna during the training, um, who were very in sync. So I guess we kind of got all three. I'll give them that one because there's yeah, a lot going on in it, these episodes. It was a very different thing because it wasn't in the middle of that fight against a thousand Druidrons. Oh, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot going on in these episodes. So I'll give yeah. them that just to make the whole trifecta. But even back to back, unable to see what the other is doing, the, both of them know every punch the other is going to throw. And it's just. There's, it was just some really beautiful displays of the bonds between the three of them. Yeah, and and again, say say one thing for Sakamoto, when when he's not being creepy, he can direct the hell out of a fight involving two people who love, trust, and respect one another, and they are fighting imposs- an impossible battle against overwhelming odds because. Seriously, watching them throw down like that was a joy to behold. Yeah, especially it really since, was. Especially since, like, Precious is just, like, mocking the entire idea of the bond that is allowing them to mop the floor with all of Precious's people. It's so good. It was. It was incredible. And I, I adore that we come to the end of that fight. Like, Ko is left to do the robot fight, but... Asuna's still there and pulls the whole, like, even when we're apart, our souls are fighting as one. And then Precious uses Gunjoji as a shield and mockingly parrots the idea back at Asuna. Which is so good. Yeah, it is. But then, like, I kind of looked at it a second time through kind of the fanfic-y idea of the Juridon as kind of corrupted knights of the earth. Which the show kind of set a precedent for with Geysorg. That was kind of the point of him. Yeah, that is literally his deal. Who also worked with the Druidons on and off. And she becomes kind of this really good mirror for Asuna. Because Precious is, like, the strongest and the most vicious. And the one who refuses to connect with the other Druidon and just kind of sees them as tools for her to use, where Asuna is the strongest, but is also the least in control of her own strength, but is also the one who tries the most to keep the team together. That's that's a very good parallel, dude. High five. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's a narrative idea that I can really lean into, because the Master Black reveal didn't pan out. Like, we don't really have answers there yet. But again, we have really no answers, so maybe that is the thing, who knows? But I feel like I could probably sit down and work out a whole parallel between the Druidons and the Ryu soldiers. You'd have Tank Joe and Co. who have been kind of this mirror from the beginning, even though he's been gone for most of it. I'd probably go Weisel against Melt, because they're both kind of the plan guys and more about kind of the strategy more than the the physical fight. Probably Gachireus and Bamba because they're both very, very practical, very, very literal. Yeah, I could see that, especially it's it's neat that they're also kind of like the inverse of each other's color schemes. Yeah, it's it's I think there's really something in that, and I'm not yeah. sure if it's me just reading further in than the writers want me to be, or if there is something there. 
Especially since, you know, by the movie, which, you know, I only... It is out, uh, Pocket Universe has it out, well, and TV Neon also to... has it out. I like Pocket Universe's subbing. They're, they're usually quite good. I do too. Um, so, but they have it out. Um, but, you know, Gachi Reyes and Tank Joe were there when Geysorg was made. So they, they're they kind of ancient. So I don't know. Maybe, I don't know kind of where I'm going with this, but I, I there's a lot like of questions that. that we need answers to. Yeah, but I have to say, like, I like the thought of having the, the Druidons as kind of these like twisted takes on our protagonists and that because that makes for something interesting and and it gives us something it gives us a way to understand our our heroes that you know by seeing what they're not or who they could be if they went bad especially like you say if they are the corrupted knights which I, i'm quite fond of that but also like it is sort of a, a dovetail thing. Just the whole bit of these two episodes where Eris makes new warriors and, and Precious takes them out, as in takes them out to do evil. I just, I like when the bad guys try to mimic the structure of the good guys in some way and kind of expect everything to just work out because if you squint, they have the same basic look and shape for the team. But they don't have the love, and without love, the you know, as we all know, the is which is the true secret ingredient to any combination of elements becoming more than their constituent parts. It just it can't work. They can't win because, like, what's Precious fighting for? Precious is fighting for herself. What's Gachareus want? Uh, to do what he's told. Like Weisel at least has something he's about. But anyway, just um. Yeah, I like the I like the the thematic uh, parallels there. It makes me makes me quite happy. Yeah, and it, it's also really interesting that it's kind of there, but they're not making it a major part of the structure of the show. Yeah, it's it's just a thing you can pick up on, but it doesn't. It's not a thing you have to be like, oh, that's the evil that one. It's just kind of there, and it doesn't matter. It's just there, and it's fine. Yeah. Okay, so I cannot even begin to express the amount of hype I had when Oto came in on Piton and then got to be in the robot for the whole fight. She didn't just drop him off and then and then like back out. She didn't like be in a combined robot where Ko was doing all the work and she was just kind of standing in the corner. She wasn't just letting Piton do the thing. She was doing the robot fight solo by herself as practically another Ryu soldier. I have to say I appreciate that this show seems to have a thing about almost giving us more Ryu soldiers, but then not for, you know, whatever reason. And while I am kind of conflicted about that because on the one hand, yeah, it's a fun thing to do, just one-off Ryu soldiers. On the other hand, there is only one gal in the crew. Come on, guys. But, you know, whatever. They, they... It's, look, I'm still the teeny tiniest bit salty that Q-Ranger was like a 12-person team that had two girls. Right? It's... But again, 
at the same time, they they also used having a not quite Ryu soldier to like make me have a feeling with with Nada and um, mm. how dare yeah honestly just I I just I appreciated it even as as I have a lot of you know fiddly fiddly things but more than anything I appreciate that they went all in on giving the robot more feminine coded body language when the robot is being piloted by a lady because again lots of complicated and nuanced feelings about what sorts of body language gets to be masculine versus what is feminine coded and look that's a very long and complicated conversation that is well outside the remit of us here at laser knees even as i think it's safe to say we both have some capital f feelings about the matter but it's just nice for them to say that no matter what no matter what you want to think or feel or anything that is absolutely a lady piloting that robot and there is no way to ignore it yeah it like, to the point where it almost looked like the robot had a slightly different body type than it normally does, it moved so differently. Which, if they didn't make a new suit, which I rather doubt they did, speaks volumes about uh, the capability of the, of the suit actors who, honestly, I feel get the least amount of stuff to do. Because, like, look, I love the robots, a lot of the robot fights are stock fighting, or are, are stock footage, and I understand why, because that's a lot of stuff to move around. I don't know how much those things weigh. They can't be light. No, and they're probably very hard to see out of. Yeah. So, I just, I really appreciate when they get to, uh, when they get to flex their muscles a little. That's very nice. Yeah, and it's just, we haven't had a civilian in the robot since Geki Ranger, and frankly, I don't know if we had one before then, but the last time it happened was definitely Geki Ranger, and it was just as incredible now as it was then. And yeah. I just, I hope some little girls get to take some good stuff away from that fight, especially because Oto is 12. Yes. I'm gonna hammer this in. Oto is 12, which... I know normally this isn't as much of a concern because kids really project themselves kind of older than they are in these kind of scenarios because they're going to project themselves right onto their heroes. But, you know, they're getting to see this younger girl getting to be the hero in this episode where it's, you know, it's not just the grown-up girls. You can you can be part of it too. You can have... You can have your imaginary adventure, and if the boys say, girls can't be a giant robot, you can just, yeah, they can. Like, it is the the thing where you can't even imagine it because you don't know it's a thing that can be imagined is gone. That's, like, that is the rock star moment of this episode, which is saying a lot because 43 and 44, just a lot of rock star moments. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's so much good in these episodes, even with the few kind of stumbles that they have. Like, again, like, I, before that happened, I was afraid I was just going to complain about Oto for two episodes. But it doesn't, you know, take away the fact that I'm bugged by this, but she got to do something really, really cool that very few people get to do in a Sentai. 
yes. I, I can't say that Ryu Soldier is perfect. A lot of that can be, I think, just put down to the fact that they're on a Super Sentai production schedule, and whoo boy! <laughs> Which is its own special kind of hell. Yeah. It, like, the fact that the actors are capable of smiling is pretty impressive after that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, just a real good show. Uh, do we have any, any last-minute thoughts? Because I feel like that's about where we're at. I'm just real excited for the last couple episodes of this. Mm-hmm. Just very excited to see where we're headed, where we're gonna land. Because I do think, even even with kind of the the very flat mystery box we got this episode, I do still think they can land a really solid ending. Oh, yeah. Just, boy, it's frustrating in the moment. Yeah. But it's it's always fun to see the bits that stick with you after a series is over. Because that, yeah. I think, says a lot more than anything else. But uh, on that, on that uh, positive speculative note... Uh, for all of us here at Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And don't get.